Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them, would you, to John's Gospel, chapter 19, as we recall a time in the life of Jesus Christ and the followers of Jesus of great pain. You think about it in your own life. If you, can you recall a time in your life of great pain? Now could be that very time. And of course, we can think back in times in our lives where there is great physical pain. Perhaps some of you are able then to think through great emotional pain. And here we are, great spiritual pain that Jesus Christ has gone before us. You know, there's all kinds of pain in life, whether it's a broken arm or a broken leg, whether it is a pain of rejection or the pain of betrayal or the pain of abandonment, the pain of divorce. There's even deeper pains, pains of fear, pains of isolation and loneliness, pain like grief, pain upon pain. And Good Friday is known as God's most painful moment. The most painful moment that Jesus ever experienced. And we know and have in our minds a picture of Jesus hanging on the old wooden cross, enduring one of the most horrific things a man can face. Like before he was ever put on the cross, he was subject to something known as Roman scourging. Let me describe it for you. And one commentator described it this way. The usual instrument was a short whip with several single or braided leather thongs of variable lengths in which small iron balls or sharp pieces of sheep bone were tied at intervals. The man was stripped of his clothing and his hands were tied to an upright post. His back, his buttocks, his legs were flogged. Scourging was intended to weaken or scourging was intended to weaken the victim to a state just short of collapse or just short of death. And as the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victim's back with full force, the iron balls would cause deep contusions and the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin and the subcutaneous tissues. Then, as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles. Another commentator described it this way. Often there were two scourgers, one on either side of the victim, who took turns. Muscles were lacerated, veins and arteries were torn open, and it was not uncommon for the insides, like the kidneys, the spleen, and other organs, to be exposed and slashed. And almost always... A man would die under this treatment, never having to face the cross. And yet Jesus endured to the end. He would then take up his cross and carrying its load on his beat up body. Crucifixion. The word generally is used to describe what happened to Jesus Christ. It's not a word that's very common in our everyday language, 
Uh, although you do hear it from sometimes if you go through a difficulty at work or you went through a difficult time in a meeting, you might go, man, I felt like I was crucified there. But any use of that word apart from thinking of what Jesus endured is, is really doing a disservice to the word itself and a disservice to our Savior. Crucifixion was invented by the Persians and it was in t- intended to be a horrible, elongated way to die. The Persians believed that the earth was sacred, and so the criminal was lifted up off of the earth so that he wouldn't def- his death wouldn't defile the ground. One Jewish writer says, and I quote, crucifixion is the most terrible and cruel death by which a man devised for taking vengeance upon his fellow men. Cicero called it the most cruel and most horrible torture. Tacitus, the Roman historian, called it a torture only fit for slaves. What the Persians invented, the Romans perfected. And throughout history used crucifixion more often than anyone. Some estimate that the Romans killed some 30,000 Jews by crucifixion. And it sent a message Don't mess with Rome. And Rome kept it exclusively for rebels, runaway slaves, and the lowest type of criminal. Crucifixion was so cruel that the Romans chose not to use it on Roman citizens. And crucifixion would involve laying Jesus on his open, lacerated, bleeding back on a huge, rough, splintery cross. The Roman soldiers would then take spikes five to seven inches long, and hammer them between the two arm bones at the wrist, thus crushing the medial nerve. The pain, it says, or is said of, was so absolutely unbearable that it was literally beyond words to describe. They had to invent a new word, and that word was excruciating. Literally, it means coming out of the cross, or pain that comes out of the cross. There was nothing in the language that could describe such an intense anguish that was caused during crucifixion. At this point, Jesus was then hoisted as the crossbar was attached to the vertical stake and nails were driven through Jesus' feet. Again, the nerves in his feet would have been crushed. Crushed with severed nerves was certainly bad enough. But his arms then would have been immediately stretched, probably about six inches in length, And both shoulders would have been dislocated. And thus it would have fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy in Psalm 22, which foretold the crucifixion hundreds of years before it took place. My bones are out of joint. In crucifixion, a man would have died either by asphyxiation or cardiac arrest. It was the most torturous, painful way for a person to die thinking of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. We're in a time right now, are we not, where we're thinking a lot about ourselves. We're thinking a lot about what we've lost. We're thinking a lot about restrictions placed upon our lives. We're thinking a lot about fearful anticipation of what the future might hold. And I believe Good Friday falls and is intended to be used by God in such a way where God is forcing us to think not about ourselves, but about the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. About the finished work that Jesus, the pathway that Jesus went through 
went down in order to bring us to himself. I invited everyone this year to participate in something that we're calling hashtag Jesus changed my life. And I want to invite you to do that with us here on this Good Friday. You can go to our website at calvaryco.church slash Jesus changed my life. All the information is there. We're talking about not being able to meet and not being able to fill the room and not being able to invite people to Easter, but that's not true. That's not true that God has canceled our Easter services. It's not true that God has canceled the ability to gather together. We're just doing it differently. And, and instead of moving backwards so much and instead of being concerned about what we've lost, let's set aside what little we've lost and let's press forward for the gospel. Let's move forward for the gospel. And so I want to take this time to remind you, go to our website and follow the instructions. We laid out very detailed on how to post a video of your testimony. The reason why it's fresh on my mind is I posted my video yesterday. And we're asking people to stay under a minute, which is actually really impossible. But it's actually going to force you to, to think of a sliver of your testimony. To think of your life, like what it forced me to do, and, and I didn't put five minutes, eight minutes, I stayed under the one minute, but even if you do a longer one, praise God, God will use it. But even if you do a longer video, God will use what he put upon your heart for that time. But it forced me to think about the overview of my life. It forced me to think about not, not what I've lost, but what I've gained. And that's the message of Good Friday. That's the message of the empty tomb as we'll celebrate. The message of Jesus Christ and your salvation is one of gain and not loss. And we begin to think about what we've lost. Well, you know, I lost a life addicted to drugs. I lost a life of hurting everyone that I ever met. I lost a life of wandering around aimlessly. I lost a life of rebelling sinfully against God. I lost a life of doing things my own way, waking up in my own vomit, wondering what the next day will bring, wondering if I'll get out of this mess, wondering, uh, yeah, I lost a lot. If I look at it this way, I want you to consider what you truly lost. Because what you've lost will lead you to what you've gained. And I've gained and you've gained new life. But it didn't come without a cost. It didn't come without a cost in relationship to the beating. You know, we have uh, these elements for communion. And maybe today on Good Friday, it's a tradition for you to take of the elements of communion. Well, when you take of the bread of communion, you cannot forget the full force beating of two. If we were to do it visually, we'd have someone over there and I would stand here as a Roman soldier and we would with full force beat down upon that man, completely innocent, full force. I would take a hit and then the other one would come over, they would take a hit and they would continue to do that till the person came just close to death. We, we read through the, the details of such a thing, but Jesus went through this for you and for me. Jesus suffered in silence, torturous pain. And the words, the final words that came out of his mouth hanging upon the cross were words of encouragement and strength. The Bible says that Jesus was oppressed and he was afflicted. And I want you to tell someone your story because it's not your story, it's his story. It's what God is doing and has done through your life. I think that if we will laser focus ourselves on the gospel this Easter, this Easter, this Easter, uh, I, I was thinking this is the first Easter where I won't be gathering together with a group of people since I've been saved 29 years. 
Every Easter, I can't think of a time I was sick on Easter morning. I can't think of a time where I wasn't feeling well. I can't think of a time when we were back in California, when my family would get up for a sunrise service. Even when we didn't have a sunrise service, we would go somewhere else to another church that had a sunrise service. And that one year that it rained for the sunrise service, we all went back to the building and had services in the building. I can't think of a time in the 29 years of me walking with the Lord, having a relationship with Jesus that I haven't gathered together on Easter. But here's the thing, it will be memorable. Because although I have the privilege of still teaching and still encouraging, it will be memorable because we have been moved to reach out in a different way. And God has disrupted our lives and disrupted our lives in a good way. We will either respond to this in very positive ways or we'll respond to this in very negative ways. But let me tell you, friend, we'll respond to this. And have you remembered and have you recalled the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? I asked you to open up to John's gospel. You're like, when are we going to get there, Ed? Now. Here we are. I want to remind you of some words that Jesus shared as we consider this Good Friday, which actually wasn't all that good in many ways. It wasn't good for the people that lost their friend. It wasn't good for those that made a decision against Jesus that day. It wasn't good for those that lost and walked away in grief and sorrow. But it was good in many ways because Jesus paid the price for our sins. It says in verse 30 of John 19, it says, And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It, finish it with me, it is finished. What is finished? All that's necessary for you and I to be in a right relationship with God is finished. All the guilt, all the shame, all the rebellious sin. It is finished. Before Jesus said it was finished, we recall Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These were not the delusions of a man in pain. Jesus' faith was not failing him. I believe as Jesus was hanging there at that moment, he was bearing the sins of the world. Oh, long before, or in a short amount of time before he said, it is finished, ours, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus died as a substitute for us. He was bearing, let's get personal for a second, not just in a broad sense, but let's get personal for a second. Jesus was dying for your sin and mine. You know, as followers of Christ, we live in such a way under the banner of grace and forgiveness that we have a tendency to forget how bad it was, how bad we were in rebellion against God. Even those of you that would be considered the nicest people, filled with the most good works, how bad it was to live separate from God how bad it was to live life navigating in our own, you know, our own thoughts and our own opinions and our own, we were wrapped up in ourselves. And yet Jesus delivered the sacrifice and substitution for you and me. He was bearing your sin, he was bearing my sin. To him was imputed all the guilt of our sins and suffered the necessary punishment for those sins on our behalf so that he could say it is finished. In some mysterious way, 
We can never fully understand during those awful hours on the cross, the Father pouring out the full measure of his wrath against sin on the recipient of that wrath was God's own beloved son. Listen, God was punishing Jesus as if he had personally committed every wicked deed committed by every wicked sinner. And in so doing, he could treat and forgive those redeemed ones as if they had lived Christ's perfect life by faith. And we know this moment had happened. We know there was a moment at Calvary when the sin of the world was put upon him. And I believe it was that moment where the Bible records in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so what does Jesus say? He says, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. What were people feeling like at that time? What were the emotions surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Well, on those guys that were walking down the road home to the area of Emmaus, they said this to Jesus, because Jesus shows up to them in Luke 24 after the resurrection. I'm going to give you a little bit of a head start, but they're going to talk about how they've been feeling. Look, he says, they, they told him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things that happened there in these days? And then the question was asked, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, today is the third day since these things happened. And certain women of a company arrived at the tomb early, astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were there with us went into the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They were given all of the facts, and now we've got from I just covered all of it from Good Friday all the way into the, after the resurrection. They have all of the facts, but they've come to the wrong conclusion, which is where I want to leave with you today. Do you have all of the facts of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but you've come to the wrong conclusion? Do you have all of the facts that God loves and cares for you, but you've concluded that he doesn't care, that he's absent, and that well, the crucifixion wasn't real. Jesus wasn't real. God has sent me here today and so many others to declare to you the truth that Jesus Christ is real, the Son of God in human flesh. And that today, if you will turn your life away from your sins, the Bible calls that repentance. If you will repent of your sins and in your mind, to the best of your ability, imagine with a sanctified, like with a, with a holy imagination, the price that Jesus Christ paid for you, the, the beating that he endured, the hours that he, sent, he spent uh, on the cross in agony and in pain, moment by moment, so that finally he gives up his own life willingly, his life in exchange for your life, 
You see, at the crucifixion, after they take down the body of Jesus, they bury him and everyone walks away discouraged. They have the right facts, but they come to the wrong conclusion. They remember that Jesus said he would die, but they forgot. And again, when you're involved in a traumatic event, your mind does all sorts of things. So it doesn't surprise me that they would forget about the resurrection. But we know, because God has given us the whole story, that in just a few days, the resurrection will occur. So for us as believers, we leave this time together considering the death of Jesus and meditating upon the price and thinking about the price that Jesus paid for your life and mine. And we know that the resurrection is just up ahead. The empty tomb is right around the corner. But for those of you that have never given your life to Jesus Christ, imagine yourself so valuable and so important that God sent his son to die for you. And if you're watching me, listening to me right now, you're hearing my voice, I want you to respond to this invitation that you would receive the forgiveness of your sins and enter into a real relationship with God. You can pray just like this. You could say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to forgive me of my sins. And I surrender and submit my life to following you from this day forward. I believe in the death of Jesus and I believe in the resurrection. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today, I believe God heard it because the Bible says so. And if you meant it from the depths of your heart, I believe God knows the motive of your heart. That this is a spiritual transaction that just took place. So would you tell us about it? Uh, you can go to our website and you can scroll down to the bottom. There's a tab that says how to know God. And all the information we would normally give you here is available on our website, how to know God. And would you text us? We have a text line dedicated to open communication 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here's the number, 720-336-0897. We want to hear about what God has done in your life. We want to pray for you. This is open to anyone. As you consider the end of the rest of your day here on Good Friday, we want to hear from you. So if you responded to the gospel today or you have a prayer request you would like to jo us to join you in, we want to do that. 720-336-0897. Our website, Calvary CO, that stands for Colorado. So just think of calvaryco.church and all the information that we have is available there. I want to invite you to join us, please, as we close our time today, join us on our Jesus Changed My Life social media outreach. Jesus Changed My Life. If you go to our website, again, go to our website. All the information is there. Post your invitations. Tag us as your church. We will preach the gospel this Easter. And we plan on broadcasting the gospel for a full 24 hours, service after service after service on our live stream beginning at Beginning, uh, I don't know, we haven't decided yet, uh, but we're going to be together for all of our services on Easter, and we're still working details out. And let me just say this, God loves you, and he cares deeply about you. And one day we're going to gather together again, church. When we gather again, together again, let's not be the same. Let's have this heart of outreach and a desire to reach the lost like never before. That we as a church will do anything short of sin 
to reach the lost. So until we gather again, uh, beginning at 4 p.m. on Easter Saturday, we want you to keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and let's worship together. Let me end our time in prayer. Father, I ask that as we consider the, the scourging and the beating that you endured, Jesus, as we consider the effects of the crucifixion, and we know the end, you know, we, we know. It's hard for us to suspend our thoughts of, of course we know you rose again. But to put ourselves in the same frame of mind, to put ourselves in a position where we can consider what the disciples and the people considered. And most people didn't care. Most people went off with their lives. But we want to care. And we want to have true dynamic change. Even in me, God, I pray for me. 29 years I've had a relationship with you. And I want it to be different. I want it to be different this year. I want these challenges to change me on the inside out. I want our church to be transformed. That wherever we are inwardly, God, you would take that outwardly. Because we're saved. And there's a world that's not. So as we leave this, this service today, I pray that it would have great meaning as we consider your broken body and your shed blood. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, we are not going to end in a song, but rather we end in the solemn thought of the beating and crucifixion and burial of Jesus Christ. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.